This is 100 Days of Dante, a podcast journey through Dante's divine comedy, one canto at a time. Join us online at 100daysofdante.com. Let's read together. We now turn to Paradiso Canto 6. Dante and Beatrice have arrived in the second sphere of heaven, the sphere of Mercury. In this realm, Dante will encounter souls who, because of their overpowering ambition, were deficient in justice. Remember, the first three spheres of heaven, Moon, Mercury, and Venus, are all prior to the Sun, and thus their orbit is still within what Dante calls the shadow of the Earth. Hell and Purgatory are organized around the vices, and Paradise is organized around the virtues. But for the souls in the first three spheres, it is a deficiency in a particular virtue which characterizes their lives. And here in Mercury, we encounter the ambitious, those who sought earthly fame and glory, often at the expense of justice. Canto VI is unique in that it's the only canto in the Divine Comedy that is one long, uninterrupted speech. And our speaker is the Byzantine Emperor Justinian the Great. Justinian lived in the 6th century AD, and he reigned as emperor in Constantinople, now Istanbul, Turkey, and he reigned for almost 40 years. He's recognized as a saint in the Eastern Orthodox traditions, and he was responsible for the building of Hagia Sophia, perhaps the most important church in all of Christendom for a thousand years. Justinian is best known for the development of the Justinian Code, the codification and reorganization of Roman law. In the words of Dante, Justinian, quote, pruned the law of all rank and useless things. It's about line 12. Sometimes it's easy to get confused about these things, but it's important to remember that the Byzantine Empire is just the Eastern Roman Empire. And while the Roman Empire in the West fell in the 5th century A.D., The Eastern or Byzantine Empire still exists in Dante's time, and it will last for another hundred years after Dante dies. It will finally fall in 1453 to the Ottoman Turks. And it is the nature, the character, and existence of the Roman Empire and its relation to Italian city-states like Florence and their feuding political parties that is the principal subject of Justinian's long speech to Dante in Canto VI. Many readers have observed that the sixth and seventh canto in each canticle uh, of the Divine Comedy addresses political themes and the need for justice, one of the great themes of the comedy as a whole. And the scope of political action in the corresponding cantos expands both in breadth and in significance. We have to be careful here because there's more going on in these cantos than just politics. But in general, in Inferno VI, Jocko addresses Florentine politics. In Purgatorio VI, Dante addresses Italian politics. Sordello will pick this up in Canto VII. And here in Paradiso VI, Justinian addresses the imperial politics of the history and significance of the Roman Empire. In Paradiso VI and VII, 
in which Dante replies to Justinian's speech, we get more references to forms of the word justice than in any other part of the Commedia. Canto VI is about justice, and we shouldn't be surprised that Dante connects a deficiency in justice with a deficiency in love. Justinian's speech has a twofold purpose, to show Dante why the most holy Roman Empire is indeed worthy of reference, and to demonstrate that neither those who claim to support it, the political party of the Ghibellines, nor those who oppose it, the political party of the Guelphs, are truly committed to justice. Justinian makes this point twice, and in between, he gives a long chronicle of Roman history, from Aeneas's flight from Troy all the way to Dante's day. The canto begins with a curious play on words, and he picks up a theme that Dante has already addressed several times in the Commedia, namely the political authority of the Pope. Justinian says that Constantine turned the eagle's wing against the course of heaven. The eagle here refers to the Roman Empire, and this means two things going against the course of heaven. First, by moving the capital of the Roman Empire from Rome to Constantinople, he's moving from west to east, contrary to the movement of the heavens, which go from east to west. But Dante is probably also suggesting that the move from Rome to Constantinople was against the plan or the course or the desires of heaven. For Dante, the move was suspect both in terms of theology as well as geography. Dante believed that Constantine really did grant all future popes sovereignty over Rome, all of Italy, and all of the western provinces of the Roman Empire. This is the famous donation of Constantine, which we have talked about on several occasions prior to this point. We now know this document to be a forgery, but Dante believed it to be an authentic, if erroneous, gift from Constantine to the papacy. The majority of the canto is focused on a theological retelling of the history of Rome. Dante uses the character of Justinian to articulate his understanding of how God was working even through the pagan Roman history to bring about God's plans for human salvation and universal justice. And Justinian gives examples from each of the great periods in Roman history, from the ancient kingdom of Rome to the thriving republic to the imperial period and ultimately to the crowning of Charlemagne as the first holy Roman emperor. Dante even seems to suggest that Titus was fulfilling God's desire for justice through the Roman destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70. The Charlemagne example allows Dante to return to his principal subject, the conflict between the Guelphs and the Ghibellines. Justinian issues a warning to this new Charles, he's referring to Charles II of Naples, called the Lame, the son of Charles of Anjou, who would have been ruling in Naples at the time, telling him not to think that he and his Guelphs can defeat the empire that God has ordained and used throughout history. In Justinian's words, the talons of the Roman eagle have stripped the very mane from greater lions than he. It's about line 107 and 108. For Dante, all of this will point to the fact that neither the Guelphs who support the papacy against the empire, nor the Ghibellines, who support the empire, 
are truly interested in justice. In Justinian's word, it's hard to see who has gone the further wrong. One of the most important points Justinian uh, makes concerns the character of those ambitious souls that inhabit Mercury. Beginning about line 112, referring to Mercury, he says, This little star is ornamented by all the brave souls who live their lives that fame and honor might succeed them when they die. But when desire is set on things below, it wanders from the road, and so the rays of true love mount with less life in the flame. For Justinian, there is a great irony here. If we want to make our lives great and have our names endure, we necessarily diminish the intensity of our truest and best love because we love the wrong things and in the wrong ways. We wander from the road, in Justinian's words. If we limit our desires to what we can see immediately before us on the things below, our love has less life. Twice in this canto, Justinian calls for living justice, la viva justitia, to transform our lives. The, the canto ends with Justinian praising an example of one who shines within the pearl before you. This is what it means to have true fame. And he's speaking here of the faithful steward, Romeo of Villanova, who rendered great service to his count, but ultimately was exiled and sent into poverty, just like Dante himself. In Canto 7, Dante will respond to Justinian's great speech. Thank you for reading Dante's Divine Comedy with us. Continue the journey at 100daysofdante.com. 100 Days of Dante is brought to you by the Baylor University Honors College with support from the Torrey Honors College at Biola University, the Templeton Honors College at Eastern University, the University of Dallas, Whitworth University, and Gonzaga University in Florence.